Hi, Chris Fallon here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, welcome to Cultural Catalyst. I'm your host, Chris Felton. I'm here with Carl Ladd, and we're going to teach you how to be fully alive. and going to teach you how to co-labor with God and change the world. That's the goal right there. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. And Carl's over BGR, Bethel Global Response, which is kind of like a supernatural Red Cross. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal right there. Hey, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, thanks, first off, for having me. It's yeah. humbling and always fun. Um, I know yeah. it's humbling being in my presence. So humbling, that, yeah. That, yeah. That always, Chris. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, I'm the director of Bethel Global Response. I've uh, been in this role for a few years now. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm passionate, uh, not about disasters, but I'm passionate about seeing Jesus in the midst of the storm. Yeah, you've um, been doing this for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been doing disaster response work uh, before Bethel. It's been about uh, 15 years now that I've been in this field. You actually have an education in, what is that education you have? What's your degree in? Yeah, so Bachelor's of Science in International Rescue and Relief and Disaster Management. So it's a mouthful. there's actually a degree for that. There is, yeah. Yeah, it's actually one of the growing fields right now um, is disaster management. And you just came back from Ukraine. I did. We got other stuff to talk about, but that's fresh. Let's Ukraine is fresh. Got back, got back a couple of days ago, three yep. days ago. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Like, what what did you see there? What were we doing there? Yeah. Um, so we're there in partnership with uh, several different organizations and, and churches, primarily Mercy Chefs. Um, but we showed and we, Joyce Myers Ministry. Joyce right? Myers Ministry, Hand of Hope. Yeah. Um, our, our significant partners of us over there, uh, and the local church. Um, and so we responded about just two days after the the conflict initially started. We we headed over there, knowing God had a plan, knowing knowing we had missionaries on the ground, so we wanted to to first in respond the country, to them in Ukraine, yeah, in Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, in Kharkov specifically. Got it. Um, so they were evacuating as a family. So we want to respond first off just to support them, make sure that they were good, um, and then to to see how we could support and encourage the local church. And just saw God open door after door after door um, to where, at this point, we've done well over a million pounds of food uh, into Harkov. How many days were, would that include? Uh, uh, so we, weeks, we've been there weeks. for uh, just about a month now. A month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing we're doing three to four on average three to four trucks of food into into far eastern Ukraine a week. And how much food's in a truck? Twenty five metric tons. Wow, that's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. So yeah, we get about thirty thousand meals out so of each truck. Ben Fitzgerald was over in Poland, yeah. and doing the same kind of thing in Poland. Yeah, you guys started out in Romania, yeah, right. But then uh, it became more effective and efficient to actually go right into the Ukraine. Is that true? How yeah, accurate is that? God, God really strategically aligned us to be able to get into Ukraine. So Poland, Poland was really strategic for refugees. Okay, um, so. Poland received overwhelmingly the majority of the people fleeing Ukraine. They left Ukraine and into Poland. That's why and Ben had teams so, there. Yeah, so Ben had large teams there ministering um, and evangelizing and seeing just God do incredible things with refugees in Poland. They yeah. got into Ukraine a little bit, into Lviv, um, but they were really focused on on more refugees. Okay, leaving um, the, actually leaving. Yeah, Ukraine. yeah, so... 
refugee technically that term is a displaced person that crosses an international border uh, well that's so once you cross a border see i got no education yeah see there it. you go yeah. this is where where my education yeah, goes in they're, they're so you're a refugee if you cross a border got if it. you haven't crossed a border you're just a internally displaced person idp um and so there's about three over three million people our refugees had f- fleed ukraine majority of which were in poland so ben's ministry was incredible there Romania only saw about 300,000, 300,000, 400,000 refugees come wow. into Romania. And the local church in Romania, as in Poland, everywhere, the local church was incredible the way that they opened up their homes, their businesses. So good. We, we, we met a, a man who had a furniture store. And so he had like... Is this in Romania? This is in Romania, yeah. He had like 40 or 50 beds um, in his display room. And so he just turned it into a refugee center and closed his business. And it's been a month now, closed his business and brought in about 70 women and children that are living in his furniture store. Um, probably not going to want to sell those beds. He can't, he can't. And I talked to him about that. I said, (laughs) dude, how are you going to stay afloat? Like, how are you going to keep your business alive? And he said, I'm not worried about my business staying alive right now. I'm worried about these families staying alive. Like wow, these families so have powerful. more need than my business. So powerful. So yeah, I don't know how he's going to stay afloat as a business. I mean, yeah. he, he's lost all his revenue for a month and then he's losing all of his inventory. Now is going to be now yeah. used. Yeah. Um, but just an incredible man. And, and that's one example of so many yeah. of Romanians and, and Poles that have just turned their life upside down to, to host Ukrainian refugees. Um, and then you, and you went from there to thinking you're going to, help the refugees who crossed the border into Romania. Yeah. But then the need for food became greater yeah. really in the Ukraine, right? Where there's some kind of refuge cities yep. that were that close, more closely related to the fighting where the war is happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So within Ukraine, they estimate about 6 million people have, have fleed and they're displaced, but staying in Ukraine. Yeah. Just West, another city. in Western Ukraine. Yeah. Got so it. Western Ukraine is be, is hosting. Most of the fighting is, is isolated into the East, the far Eastern sections and the North and the South. Um, and so we, because of our relationship with our missionaries and, and local churches on the ground started getting reports of just no food, food being almost non-existent, especially in Kharkov, wow. um, which was one of the first cities hit um, and is one of the farthest ones closest to the border with Russia. Um, and it's, it's the second largest city in Ukraine, and there's just no resources. And actually, um, in, the early, in the early days of the conflict, uh, the International Federation of Red Cross and the United Nations deemed it impossible to get aid into that city, into Kharkov, uh, just because it was... It was too too risky um, for them, uh, and it was too uh, too close to the fight. It was almost surrounded by Russians. Was it risky when you guys were there? Uh, it was definitely risky. <laughs> yeah, but mitigated. Your wife it's might a, be watching this. So yeah, it was a mitigated risk. Mitigated so risk. again, the church the church is the hero in the story because mm-hmm. they were there feeding people, ministering to people, um, but they also had really good intel on where exactly the Russians were. Uh, where where different troop movements were on the Ukrainian and the Russian side, where the the active fighting was, so it gave us really really clear windows of opportunity to be able to get uh, vehicles in with food um, and adjust those routes as we needed, depending yeah. on how the conflict was progressing. And you saw a lot of stuff, right? You saw orphanages bombed, right? And yeah, bombs. yeah, just tragic, uh, tragic stuff. You know, hospital hospitals bombed, Homs- schools wow. schools bombed. Um, 
in Harkov, you know, a lot of, of the evil of war. War yeah. is absolutely evil and uh, it's impartial, you yeah. know. And so a lot of these places, there's no there's no explaining it other than this is the evil of war. And this is this is why it's so important that uh, war war should not be the first option or an option you know yeah what does it settle right what does it at the end of the day what does it settle yeah Yeah. and we were praying isaiah 2 we've been praying isaiah 2 over this all over this war with the ukrainians and russians of course we love the russians we love the ukrainians we've got both in our church right both in our school ministry and even in our school ministry the students the ukrainian students and russian students just trying to figure out how to walk together in the midst of this yeah. Really bad conflict and terrible war. Yeah. And Isaiah 2 uh, talks about a time, it talks about in the last days, mm-hmm. that that they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their their swords, I mean, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation, uh, God will judge between nations and never again will they train for war. And so yeah. we've just been praying that, you know, it so says good. in the last days, we've just been praying that over this whole war, this conflict, yeah. and just praying for God to resolve this in a peaceful way and for this not to turn into something worse, which is already bad, right? Yeah. People dying, children dying, and every day we hear the reports. And so we're just we're praying for there to be total and complete peace in, yeah. uh, between these countries and that they work this out in a way other than war because, yeah. you know, just, just because you can... Um, you know, you you win the war doesn't mean that you're right, right? Yeah. And just because you lose the war doesn't make you wrong. Yeah. And so, what's the best scenario here in this in this really terrible conflict? There, yeah. we're praying for both. Hey, good, but Chris. we got changing the subject a little bit because we're we're all over the world, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a dream. This has probably been what a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of California, now we're yeah. kind of changing. We're changing Bring sides of the planet. And we, uh, I saw this, uh, first I had a dream about a bear and it was chasing Bill and I one night and then the next day, it, it next night I had the same dream and it caught us and it gave us a hug and mm-hmm. I heard the bear is friendly. Mm. And when I woke up from that dream, I woke Kathy up and said, I just had this dream, and, you know, the bear, this bear was chasing Bill and I and then it wrapped his arms around us and the bear was friendly and she mm. said, and she said, five o'clock in the morning, she said, oh, the bear is California. Wow. And I'm like, wow, the bear, California, is friendly to us. Mm. And, and then uh, I started having all of these uh, th- these prophetic experiences. And uh, the Lord talked to me about the fact that he was hiding. You know, we have an immigration issue on the Texas and, and California borders yeah. uh, where immigrants are coming in and many of them coming in illegally. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the Trump and Biden administrations, both of them, obviously Trump's response was to build a wall and try to figure out how to mitigate these people so that they're coming in legally. And and it's just been a political kind of hot potato. Yeah. But I felt the Lord tell me that he had hidden the kingdom in these immigrants who were coming across yeah. the border yeah. and that literally they were going to bring the kingdom into California. Yeah. So I sent you guys to the first San Diego border there, right, yep. of Tijuana. Yep. And why don't you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, yeah. So you sent us first to San Diego, and uh, we went and visited some other projects that were in Texas and kind of just really saying, yeah. you know, at least for me, too, is familiarizing we, myself with the situation. Yeah, how do we help? Yeah. yeah, how do we help? What's really going on? How do we help? What's the role of, of the church? And... Um, 
Yeah, taking it from a political issue yeah. to a humanity issue, you yeah. know, and, and I think that's the most important thing. Even when you're talking about war, like war wants to divide. Political issues want to divide, and uh, we take the when we take the humanity out of it, that's that's where we get in trouble. And yeah. so a lot, a lot of it is just remembering the individuals in it and and putting our policies are kind of are, you know we all have initial thoughts whether it's filtered through whatever you yeah, know whatever media experience yeah whatever our, our experience our ethnic is upbringing our cultural upbringings yeah and and kind of letting those things and actually seeing the individuals and the the actual faces of what what it is uh, on that side and so going down uh, we we met with uh, several different organizations and actually um, had had some open doors with the state of California in in San Diego yeah um, but we just really didn't feel uh, the breath of God on it, to be honest. Just didn't have... Kind of knocked um, on doors and they didn't really swing wide open. Yeah, yeah. Like we're it, accustomed to. Yeah, kind of those doors. It's like, ah, we might be able to wedge our foot in and, <laughs> and push our way in. But um, but yeah, and then um, heard about the situation in, in Tijuana on the other side of the border kind yeah. of before they come on this side. Um, and the doors just started swinging wide open. Yeah, you went back with the there. team, right? The couple weeks later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what I mean, tell the story about the pastor you met on that border and his yeah. whole prophetic journey. Yeah, so he, uh, Pastor Gustavo, he's just a, a saint of a man who, who's been in Tijuana his whole life. Um, became a he was working at uh, on the Mexican side of the border patrol. Wow, or on the the border. And, um, on the wall or something, right? Or yeah, yeah. A, it, and no. that's the other thing, like the wall. Everybody thinks the wall is this new thing, but Tijuana's actually had a wall for years, oh, um, got it. long before Trump. Um, and so it's it's interesting when you get down there and you see it. It's all rusted and it's been there for like twenty, thirty years. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is it. Wow, they must have used old but, material. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he worked on the with the Mexican Border Patrol, um, and then felt like God was calling him to be a pastor. And he said, that doesn't make sense, but yeah. couldn't shake it. And pretty then, close, Border Patrol, Pastor. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much the same yeah. thing, right? pretty much the same thing. Um, and then God said, hey, build, this is where I want you to build the church. And this is like even gave him details of the size of the church. And honestly, he was like, this makes no sense. And every all, everybody around him was saying, this is this is insanity. Like he, the, the piece of ground that he was given to build this church on was actually a like where pigs lived. So there's like 500 or a thousand pigs that lived in this valley. Are you kidding me? Like the government gave him land or somebody? Gave uh, he, he, I think he like inherited it or oh, something. something. Yeah. It's a pig land. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a valley. Wow, it's like where the prodigals go home or something. Yeah. Something biblical. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, and it's a wash. Like it, I mean, it flash floods even, even, you know, now we've been down there a couple of times where it just flash floods like crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, but he built a church and he built a pretty decent sized church and everybody's like, there's, you're never going to fill this. And he goes, well, God's told me that the nations are going to come to my church. Wow. And, uh, he didn't realize that this was 11 years ago and he didn't realize it, but the nations are filling his church now. Um, and so God's given him a heart for the migrants and he opened up his doors about five, I think five years ago, he started taking in migrants, started with the Haitians, uh, primarily. Yeah. Um, but now he, he consistently has about 1300 migrants living in his facility, um, sleeping on the church floor. Yep. His sanctuary literally is when at night they, they have all the mattresses kind of up against the wall. And then at night they pull them down oh and it's, it's just a sea of bodies. Like the sanctuary is full of bodies just sleeping there. Um, 
and he's housed them and feeds them what he can and helps them legally get asylum status in the United States. Yeah, because a lot of them can't fill out the form or anything, right? They yeah. Know, no, they have no idea of what the, the form. And, yeah, they just don't know the process. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing is, is I mean. How do they come in legally when they actually don't know how? how exactly. How, yeah. to, how the process works, how to yeah. fill out the form. Yeah. And then right now, there's a the, the the system is so backlogged. They're backlogged by almost two million cases of just people. That's not people immigrating to the states. That's people seeking asylum in the states. Wow. So to seek asylum, you have to be fleeing violence or persecution, whether it's economical wow. or or violence. And so these people have tragic stories. I mean, just they break your heart. Every single person you sit with has severe violence against them or their direct family. Yeah. Um, I mean, who leaves their home without some yeah, pressure? Yeah, and all these, the, the 1,300 people, they're all families. So it's all men and women with their children, young children. So wow. there's about 400 kids at this center. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I got two young boys, and to think what these families are going through, what they're risking and putting on the line, uh, just at the the hope of a, a better life and to flee the violence and the the threats on their own lives that they're running from. Uh, but this pastor, he's just amazing. His his heart is if these people are coming through my city, whether they're here for a week or a year, whether they go to the states or go back to their home country, if they're coming through my city, they're going to encounter Jesus. And so that's why he's opened up his doors. Is he's like. If I open up my doors, it gives them an opportunity to know Jesus for who he truly is. And you got there and started partnering with them. And what was the first thing that you... Yeah, so we got there. He'd been fasting, actually, because he was, he was at the end of his rope. Kind of, He'd been doing it all alone. Like he's, he's been housing people for that long. One guy thousands of... Yeah, years. and with hardly any support, outside support. And so he was fasting, actually. It was, I think it was like day five or seven of his fast going, God you got to help me on this. I can't carry this on my own. Um, and we found him and just felt, I mean, the dude's amazing. And it's like, how, how do we support this guy? And so, um, yeah, I came back, kind of reported to you, and you and I kind of put together a plan of what would it look like to have kind of a wraparound approach to kind of support uh, Pastor Gustavo and, and provide uh, services to these immigrants to as they wait to legally migrate into the States, how can we make sure they're fed, that they have proper sanitation and hygiene and, and clean drinking water? How can we, um, you know, meet their physical needs, but then also how do we pour so into good. them and invest in them spiritually so, so that good. they come into the full knowledge of who God is and whether they go back to their home countries or they come into our States, they're coming in fully alive in the kingdom and knowing who they are, who God is, and how they can how they walk out that in everyday life. And we partner with, yeah. So Joyce, with Joyce, Joyce Meyer. Myers again, David Meyer with with Hand of Hope and Gosh, Joyce Meyer we, Ministry. We have such. A, I just want a, a shout out to Joyce Meyer's ministry, Hand of Hope. Yeah, because when our when we had fires in our city, they were one of the first ones to help us. Yeah, sent us like almost half a million dollars, or was yeah. it more than that? Yeah, it was over half a million dollars. Yeah, and bought equipment and, you know, for uh, the the removal of old, you know, the, all the fire damage stuff and yeah. gave us money. That was awesome. And then be, yeah. they be, kind of became our partner. We became their partner, really. Yeah. So they partnered with us there in Tijuana. Yeah. And, uh, and provided some a bunch of what food and money. Yeah, so they're we're feeding. Um, so they're providing the the finances for us to feed three meals a day every day 
to every immigrant at the center. So, wow. so it's a 12 month program that we're doing now, um, likely to, to renew it. But in that 12 months, we'll do over well over a million meals um, that Joyce Myers is funding Paid for the whole thing, the whole thing and water. Yeah. And then water. So we brought in, um, they had relationship with an organization called water mission. Joyce Myers, um, did. Joyce Myers did. Yeah. So they, they came in and did a full treatment system. And so this water mission, they're a firm of engineers basically. And so they just do incredibly high quality, excellent water treatment systems, not just filtration systems, but full treatment. So they, wow. they remove the heavy metals. Um, they obviously remove all the parasites and, and bacteria and viruses. Um, and so it's just, it's incredible. So they have this little water treatment plant, um, basically the same technology that large cities do it here in America. They kind of boil it down to the essentials and to a package unit. Um, so that's fully running and, 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 it, and it gives access to the community, to the center. So it gives well more than just the water that the center needs. So they actually have excess that they're able to give out and, and, and give to the, the surrounding community. Because, like I said, the church is in a very impoverished area. Yeah. So it actually has increased um, the church's ability to do outreach in their own community. So you got food, you got water. Food, water. Pastor's obviously doing housing. And so he's... Pastor's doing the housing. Yeah. And, and so, then the question becomes, how do we get the kingdom in them, right? Because yep. the... Because the, the, the prophetic word was about getting the kingdom and the immigrants so as they yeah. cross legally into the border that yeah. they're actually bringing the kingdom with them yeah. Yeah. And, and helping to transform California. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's, that's, so that's our goal. the next part, plant, the, the, the third part of the plan. Yeah, that's, that's the third part of the plan, but that, it's, like, it's the crescendo, right? Like, yeah. I mean, everything we do in disaster response as a church, as Bethel Global Response, is we want to see nations discipled. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see nations discipled to do that. I got to see individuals discipled. Um, and so, you know, our, our kind of stance in disaster response is I want to stand on somebody in their, in their moment of greatest need Yeah, because that's where Jesus is. But, but I know that getting them out of that need isn't where Jesus ends. Like yeah. Jesus meets that need. He gets them, gets them out of that storm and then, and then he has a lifelong actual growth yeah. and development track for them. And um, so our heart is how do, we, how do we use disaster response or, you know, helping a, a refugee or an immigrant on the border as that doorway ministry to actually seeing their life transformed and then the community around them transformed through them. It's so beautiful. So one of the ideas that we had together was to take our school ministry. We have now a Spanish school, which is yeah. perfect timing because yep. most of these folks speak Spanish. Yep. And take our online Spanish school and put a team there that can start teaching, you know, the the king, kingdom principles, but also the presence of God, the power of God, the purposes of God, yeah. and in, infuse those into the immigrants. Yeah. And that's already beginning to happen, which is really exciting, right? Yeah. You talked about prayer meetings that went all night. Yeah. That yeah, they, that they initiated. They initiated. Yeah, they pray almost every night. They get up between one and three a.m. and just go after it in prayer. Um, our, we just had a, a BSSM mission team go there this last week, yeah. and just the testimonies that are coming out. But they've actually um, they all the ministry that they did within Tijuana, they took the migrants with them, and wow. so we've been pouring into to the migrants in this center. 
And so now they're they're activating. They're going out and they're prophesying over in, in Tijuana. In, in Tijuana, so, yeah. Just so making a bunch sure of, people know, like we're not sneaking them across. The no, border. yeah, 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 no, yeah, on the south side of the border. But so a bunch of migrants went with our BSSM students and go to the red light district and are seeing demons cast out, people get out of wheelchairs, blind eyes were open, like crazy I heard stuff, the craziest stories. And these are the migrants that tumors disappearing on yeah. someone's neck that was like the size of a grapefruit. Yeah. And so we're seeing we're seeing these migrants that that when we first met them, I mean they like the their biggest thing when I ask them like, what's your perspective on what's happening? How do yeah. you feel? They say the world doesn't want us. Wow. We're not welcome. We're not welcome in in my home. I'm not welcome in my home community, my home country. Mexico doesn't want me. United States doesn't want me. Nobody sees me. And and these are the same people wow. that now know I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the living king. And they're actually going out onto the streets of Tijuana and seeing demons cast out and people get out of wheelchairs. It's just, it's it's amazing. I mean, that's it's, transformation. The turn from victims to victors, yeah. right? Yeah. And that this is it, though. I mean, can you imagine if they get across the border legally? Yeah. And they began, we began to infuse like, you know, a million, million, half of these into California. Yeah. They come in they're you know, they have, they have great, most of them have great morals, right? They do. They're, they, These are the best people. Yeah. They, they, they believe in God. They believe mm-hmm. in morality. They believe in sexual purity. Yeah. And uh, then they, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin yeah. to move in wonders and signs and miracles. Yeah. They get the kingdom perspective on life and on and, and on government and on uh, you know on community, mm-hmm. and they come in legally and they begin and we begin to infuse them into California, yeah, like everywhere in California and and I, I think it's just wonderful to see uh, the, you know we, we got to have a twenty year vision. This is yeah. this is not going to happen in one year, but over the next fifteen twenty years, yeah. and we get to be a part of that, which is so exciting. It is. It is. I, I, everybody's giving me these. Like, I, someone, I came into my office the other day, and there was a, a bear h- hugging California. <laughs> yeah, it was a, you know, like a, you know, a stuffed animal. And then, and then somebody gave me a sticker with a, a bear hang, hugging California. You know, my biggest question with that. What is it? Who is faster, you or Bill, when you guys are running from that bear? Well, I'm, I'm faster. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just that I, yeah. I was because I, I, I always see the mental image of it, and I don't yeah. know who's in the lead. I, I running knew from the, the bear, bear wanted me more. <laughs> yeah. I see it. Yeah, I, I don't know if either one of us can run very fast at this age, but I'm glad the bear was friendly. That's all I got to say. The bear is friendly. There the you go. The bear is friendly. Yeah, and I think it speaks to you know uh, a little off subject, but sometimes we look at our cities and we see you know the the devastation or destruction. Like we were talking about Ukraine a few yeah. minutes ago, and you know, and we're and we just feel hopeless. So we look yeah. at our city and we see the immorality, the impurity. Mm. You know, in California, we're just seeing some crazy stuff with, you know, tr- you know, transgendering children, yeah. the craziness in our in our in our school where we we're literally, you know, the political spirit and the religious spirit have joined hands and. Yeah, we're you know we're we're getting rid of you know titles like he and she, mm. and we're starting to say hey your flu- your you know your gender is is fluid, you get to choose your gender maybe you're maybe you're a boy even though you're biologically mm. a girl all this crazy stuff, and you know I don't know about you but when I think about my children my my grandchildren now great grandchildren yeah. I'm like what's going to be left for my children my yeah. grandchildren what's going to 
how do they how do we exit or transform this cesspool of, of morality mm. and then the lord be- begins to give us these strategic pieces i call them sporadic spirit-led strategies right mm. and we just and it's great to have an idea but yeah. if you can't actually uh if you can't effectively put that idea into play yeah then you know it's just a pipe dream yeah and you've just done an incredible job uh, you know, both in you know what you've what you've just come back from with Russia and Ukraine, and of course we're yeah. going to have an ongoing as long as that war lasts, we'll be there. Yeah. And then now you know with the Tijuana border and all of that, bringing those in, and then our own city. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm just so very proud of you. Thanks. And you Chris. got you got you have three kids. Two boys. Two, Two boys kids, yeah. and a, and a wife and a beautiful wife. Yeah. And a beautiful wife. So you know you got you got a lot going on in your life. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say as we kind of close this interview? Is there anything on your mind that you want to just close with? Yeah, you know, the thing that keeps coming to my mind, whether it's we're talking about the war, these, you know, political issues or or kind of society change issues, conflict. Like when whenever conflict is happening, whether it's political conflict or physical war conflict or religious conflict or religious conflict, whatever it is, the the conflict wants to wants the natural response is to villainize or demonize, dehumanize your adversary. Yeah. So whether if I'm a Democrat, I want to dehumanize the Republican. Or if I'm Ukrainian, I dehumanize the Russians because it helps me in my fight against them. Yeah, or vice and versa, right? Vice versa, yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's, it's both ways. And I think as the church, as Christians, as cultural catalysts, we have to be so intentional about moving in the opposite spirit of that. Of When you feel that, when you feel, okay, that's the conflict, I got to remember the individual on the other yeah. side of that conflict and put the humanity back in it, whether it's it's an immigration issue or a war or a gender issue, we can't remove the humanity from it and, and see the individuals. Those are all people that need the love of Christ. Yeah. And God so loved the world. He didn't so love the Russians. He didn't so yeah. love the Americans. He didn't so yeah. love the Ukrainians or the, the Mexicans or the, you know, the, in, any of the, any, any of the ethnic groups. He yeah. so loved the world. Yeah. And we see that we see the effects of those things, whether it be a bombed hospital, and, yeah. it, and it brings up that emotion. And we we hate the effects of war. We hate war, but I can't hate the person on the other side of that war. If or that I makes become sense. a part of the problem. Yeah. And we hate poverty. We yeah. hate s- children starving. We're talking about yeah. starving in there in on on our borders. And yeah. Well, that's so good. Why don't you just lead us in a prayer for these, you know, two major issues we're dealing with right now. Yeah. But this is, it's not just there, right? The, I mean, the, the, there are whole tribes being genocide in Africa yeah. that, that we're not even talking about. Mozambique, yeah. The, the, yeah. the beheadings that are happening in Mozambique, Heidi and Roland Baker just talking to me about it just two weeks ago. Yeah. And literally, the the ISIS is in Mozambique, just genociding. Just yeah. we see what's going on in Afghanistan. It's like yeah. how, how many conflicts does America and and the and the world run to yeah. and try to solve? But they're just happening all over the place. The Congo is yeah. out of control with with just uh, with, with slave trafficking and yeah. all this craziness. And the, the world's in a, world just needs the Lord everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Definitely, the the answer is the Lord in all these yeah. situations. Why don't you just lead us in prayer for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jesus, God, I I thank you that you're the God that makes a way where there is no way. Yeah, Lord, that that you you raise valleys and lower mountains, Father, and mm-hmm. and God, it when we look at these issues, when we talk about 
uh, these conflicts and wars and rumors of wars and uh, God, it's, mm-hmm. it could be overwhelming, but God, I ask that you'd give us a spirit of boldness that we would not yep. be paralyzed by the size of these things, but, but God, uh, you've given us all something in our hand, mm-hmm. Lord, we all have something. And so God, whether it's the widow's might or, uh, a lot, Father, I, I ask that you would show us what's our role, yeah. Lord, what's our role in, in each of these, mm-hmm. uh, each of these opportunities for the church to arise mm-hmm. and shine, God, because yep. that's that's the solution. Is you've you've built the solution, and it, it's your church that's alive and well totally. and ministering in the full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, God, would you allow us to to know what's our where's our opportunity to to arise and shine and serve. And, and God, give us uh, mm. humble hearts that we wouldn't see our side of these arguments, Father, but that we would see the people that your heart's breaking for in the midst of these arguments. Thank you, Lord. And that uh, we would serve with the fullness of your love, Jesus. Yes, we love Lord. you, King. Thank you. In your name, amen. Amen. And lots of people would love to probably, you know, volunteer, you know, uh, finance some of what yeah. we're doing there. So so beautiful. Uh, it's let's see. It's www.bethel.com forward slash global response. Yep. Is that right? That'll work. Yeah. Okay. And we, we'll probably we can put it in the text too yeah. when we bethelglobalresponse.com gets you there as well. Oh, bethelglobalresponse.com. Yep. All one word. No no periods or anything. Just bethelglobalresponse.com. Yes. So. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Carl, thank you so very much. You're doing such a fantastic job. Thanks, Chris. So very proud of you and the team that that, that is just doing this all over the world. God bless you. I'll see you again. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelaton.com. Have an awesome day.